Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast. I am Ben McKee, joined by Eric Kane, as always. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about because Eric Kane, Tennessee, is the king of all kings. They are the double champs, as Conor McGregor would say. SEC regular season champs and SEC tournament champs because Tennessee went down to Hoover, experienced an absurd week, and still came out on top. Vols go 4-0. They take home the SEC Tournament Championship for kind of what I consider the first time in program history. Technically, it was the first since 1995. Tennessee won in 93, 94, and 95, but those those tournaments were division tournaments, SEC East tournaments. This is the first time Tennessee has won the SEC Tournament uh, since the SEC decided to go to the Omaha style of bracket, which was in 98. Uh, And first time that Tennessee has won the SEC tournament since it has encompassed both leagues and essentially all of the schools. Yes, I know technically two two teams do not make it to Hoover, uh, looking at you, Mississippi State and Missouri, but essentially the entire SEC takes place in it. And uh, for the first time in school history, I'm, I'm going to roll with it, although I understand there are some technicalities. I'm going to roll, roll with it still. Uh, for the first time in school history, Tennessee is SEC baseball tournament champs, Eric Kane. Yeah, it was a good week. When they finally got on the field, I I kept, uh, you know, Tony Vitello says we just simply want to play good baseball or whatever, and you made that the headline of some tweets and stories and everything, and I'm just sitting here like, I bet they just simply want to play baseball. I mean, golly, the tournament just kept on getting pushed and pushed and pushed because of rain, but you finally got out there and you played great baseball. You didn't play good baseball. You played great baseball, man. You pitched so well. Bullpen was great uh, for the most part. The lineup, I mean – you know, you had that Friday night game to where hey, I ain't gonna lie to you. I ain't gonna lie to you. Seventh inning, I fell asleep. I woke up at three a.m. Eastern time, and post game was going on. Hey, I'm I'm not alone here. I fell asleep. What game was that? Friday night, Saturday morning, LSU game, whatever game that was. was that and the second uh, or the third game of the week. I, yeah, I know they played Vanderbilt first. I don't remember anything from the Vanderbilt game, <laughs> other than Tennessee <laughs> winning. But I mean, they just wanted to play ball and they did. And, and really that LSU game was close. It was, it was, uh, it was a close one throughout. And I know when they played, uh, I guess it was Kentucky. It was pretty close there until Tennessee exploded at the end. But overall, I mean, look at these scores, 12 to, uh, you know, 10 to eight, five, that was eight to nothing and inning before, I mean, Tennessee, you, you, you played about as well as you wanted to heading into uh, the regional play, I guess is what I'm going to say. So uh, mission accomplished. We talked about on the round the horn. You got the arms in. You got everybody work. The bats were alive. And now you head into to Knoxville, back to Knoxville, hosting a regional beginning Friday. There, there's so much to discuss. And uh, we, we're going to try to keep it as sweet and simple as we can. It, it, first off, we'll, we'll start by apologizing for the lack of, of daily podcasts. Uh, it, it just wasn't happening, man. No, it, it, look, it, it just because of the weather and, and how much the tournament was delayed and, and pushed back, it, it just was not going to happen. We, we did have every intention of, of doing daily podcasts, and we will do it in the NCAA tournament. We promise. Starting this weekend, the, the draw has been announced. We're recording this Monday evening. I, I literally just got back from Knoxville or from Knoxville. Uh, I just got back to Knoxville for the first time in – a week and a half. <laughs> I, I've been gone since the Wednesday before Mississippi State. So literally just got back to Knoxville as we're recording this. Uh, the NCAA tournament bracket has been announced. We'll touch on that before we get out of here. And again, give just general thoughts on the tournament before we get out of here. And then we'll have a in-depth preview for you 
late Wednesday, early Thursday, uh, we'll, we'll go much more in depth on, on the Knoxville regional and, and Tennessee's draw. Uh, but we did have every intention of recording a mini podcast every day. It's just after the weather pushed it back uh, Friday night, we, we probably could have done one after uh, the, the Vanderbilt game, but Eric had to be up real early for radio and it was midnight, my time central time. So one or so by the time we would have started and no need for Eric to do that and turn around and do morning radio. And, we could have and honestly then, done. I, I think the only one we could have done was um, of course we could have done one Sunday, but I mean, there was so much going on with Tennessee winning it at the end, but we could have probably done one Saturday night because it was a little bit earlier than what against Kentucky. It was, it was, it felt much earlier because they started about 45 minutes before they started the night before. I mean, that LSU game, y'all were doing post game at 3 a.m. Eastern time. I woke up and I was like, I ain't, I ain't about it. It's all good. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, and even that Vanderbilt game was on Thursday, not Friday. Uh, yeah. you'll, you'll have to be patient with me. All of the games and all of the days are running together at this point. But that, that Thursday night was the Vanderbilt game. And Eric had to wake up and do radio early Friday morning, much earlier than he does radio on Saturday morning. So that prevented one after Vanderbilt. And then the the LSU and Kentucky game on Friday night and Saturday night. The, I mean, I, I was up till 5 a.m. both nights. That takes you, I should uh, say. I had been come on the Saturday morning show and uh, I, I made it. At nine to eleven, or excuse me, nine to noon is when I'm on, and so I made it the last possible segment we can get him in at eleven thirty Eastern. And I texted him at like nine fifteen. I said, "Hey, if you're up, fifteen minute warning. If not, it's all good." Man, you were up. Credit to you, man, because that, that was like four hours of sleep or whatnot, but some late ones. Well, and and I texted you at four forty five Central Time. <laughs> hey, what what time do you want me to come on? <laughs> So I just set an alarm for like nine o'clock because I couldn't remember if you said nine thirty or ten thirty Central Time, and yep. you had texted me by nine, and you said, "Are you still good?" I said, "Barely." <laughs> so <laughs> we knocked that out. So there were no post game pods happening <laughs> for uh, the the Kentucky and LSU, and then yesterday had the drive back to Huntsville. It was a late night, and quite frankly, I didn't have any energy. So here we are, uh, Monday, talking about it. But just a, a really cool week for Tennessee. In Hoover, it was an absurd week, but uh, big picture, just really remarkable. The, the scene on Sunday in that tournament championship game, 13,000 people showed up for the tournament championship game on Sunday in Hoover. And I would say 95, 97% of them were Tennessee fans. It was a really, really cool scene. And I just, I continue to pinch myself when trying to think about what this baseball program has become and and this isn't temporary this is permanent Tennessee's not going to be this good every single season but Tony Vitello is not going anywhere this baseball program is not going anywhere there's going to be a lot of fun springs over the next several years and obviously I love baseball baseball is my favorite sport yada 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 but SEC football is is my favorite to watch and and follow and and cover college football SEC football is my absolute favorite in terms of entertainment baseball is my favorite sport I hope that makes sense uh, it's it's a nice bridge to football season these past couple of springs and I am so happy that for the next several years we're going to continue to have this bridge to where football is going to be fun from the time March Madness is over with Rick Barnes in March until 
middle of June. And then all of a sudden, by the time middle of June rolls around and, and the baseballs are are done, we're like 30 days, a, a month and a half away from fall camp. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's exciting, right? And I, I know that you've been covering the team pretty much on a, on a game game by game basis since 2017. Is that right? 2018? Uh, Dave, it's been, Serrano, it's, it's been like four was, years. I don't remember exactly what year, but it was Dave Serrano's second to last year. Okay, so it's been more than that. So I mean, yeah, it, it, and I remember when I first started working at the radio station, I would I would pinch it for John every now and again in, in the radio booth, and you know, I did quite a few games, and I want to say eighteen and nineteen, I did like ten games in twenty before the season got cut short, and I mean, I just remember like I mean, the, the team was rebuilding in the first couple of years of Tony, and it was getting better and better and better, and then now what it's been like the last two years and especially this year. Cause I mean, you're right. I mean, it's, it's never going to be consistently this good. I mean, this team's dominant, right? I mean, wire to wire, it's, it's the best team in the country. It's not even close, but you build this team on arms. You build this team on good recruiting and, and developing. And of course, Frank Anderson's got a whole lot to do with that. And yeah, you're right. I mean, this team's not going anywhere. It's going to be consistently good contending for SEC championships for quite some time. So this year has been a whole lot of fun and uh, I'm excited to see, the next phase of the of the not the offseason of the postseason uh, here in Knoxville this weekend. All right, Eric, let's talk about some of these games from an individual standpoint. There were four of them. And look, there, there are so many things to discuss uh, from the absurd week in Hoover. Uh, I, I'm still delusional. I still need sleep. So bear with me as we try to piece it all together. I mean, the, the weather situation. We, we talked about it on our preview podcast that was posted last Tuesday. Uh, we, we both discussed how it would be pretty surprising if Tennessee played before Thursday night, and that turned out to be the case. Tennessee did not play Vanderbilt until Thursday night. And uh, between the weather and so many people upset with the with the tournament and the the way it was being, being run, and I get the frustration of the games being so late, but – what do you want the SEC to do? I mean, I, th- I thought they handled perfectly uh, a really unfortunate situation. People were complaining about it being in Hoover, which the SEC baseball tournament should never leave Hoover, Alabama. And that, that is coming from somebody who thinks anything south of Huntsville is the armpit of America. So, and I'm the one saying that it should never leave Hoover, Alabama. It's just the the nostalgia of it. If you've been, you understand what I'm talking about. It's a really neat environment. Fans from from every team in the in the in the conference uh, make their way towards Hoover, and it, and it just creates an awesome environment. The, the stadium's really nice. Uh, the facility that they've got there at the Hoover Met Complex just holds all of the events that are going on. Uh, there, there's plenty of hotels. Uh, Tennessee was staying in the Winfrey, which is where they hold SEC media days. When is it? When it is in Hoover, and there were several teams uh, there. In fact, I, I was filming a video with John Wilkerson before uh, one of the games, I believe, before the LSU game, and I was walking in the the Winfrey to meet him and record the video. And here came Arkansas after they lost <laughs> and was eliminated. So I, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, the the irony in that, especially after. Arkansas's players wanted to make some slick comments a, a month, month and a half ago about how they couldn't wait to see Tennessee. And then they go 0 and 2 in Hoover, go home early. They're, they're not hosting a regional. They're going out to Stillwater to play in the Oklahoma State regional. Uh, so I, I thought there's a lot of irony there. But everybody was mad about the conference being held in Hoover. 
and uh, I was listening to Cole Kubik talk about the SEC baseball tournament. He lives there in Birmingham, does radio in Birmingham, and uh, they, they were talking about on his show how it hadn't rained in Hoover in, in Birmingham in weeks. Like, they, they were in a drought. It, it was just really unfortunate luck that all this rain finally descended upon the, the state of Alabama the week of the SEC tournament. So I, I, I think, in my opinion, you could tell who was new to the SEC baseball tournament this week and who has been paying attention to the SEC baseball tournament. That was, that was kind of my general thought in terms of people complaining about all the different scenarios that took place. Well, let me ask you this. So, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, what more could the SEC do, right? I thought they did a phenomenal job getting in those games as, as quickly as it possibly could, um, having to push it back and all that. But there is, an, and John actually told us this in a, in, in a staff meeting, there is a, there is a field but there's an identical field at the Hoover Met to the one that they were playing on, correct? Now, is there what's wrong with the stadium? I've never been to the Hoover Met. Is the stadium not up to par? Like, I understand everything needed to be stadium on stadium was perfect. Okay, I understand everything needed to be televised, so maybe they didn't have the equipment or the the bandwidth or all that stuff. I to think do that's that, why. But, okay, that that's what I was thinking because I mean, if it came down to it and they had to play two games at once, that that was the move, to my understanding. Um, so maybe if you wanted to avoid, you know, 11 o'clock Eastern time, you know, first pitches and all that, then sure. But at the end of the day, they got them in, they did the best job they could, but if it came down to it, I was aware, I was, I was told that there was another field there that they could play two games at once. And, you know, if it, it maybe they should have done that. I, I, I think they did a fine job because again, that other game would not have been on television. And then there would have been a whole lot of fans if that happened to Tennessee. Right. Angry it's, fans. Yes. Angry fans. It's just, everybody was so angry about everything that took place and I, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I, I don't handle that all that well because I do consider myself a, a glass half full type of person so I, I don't I don't deal with glass half empty or or negative outlooks that well it, quite frankly it just annoys me because I try to see the the positive and everything and it was just constant bitching quite frankly that, that that's what it was all week long and I could not have been more annoyed the, the weather, the SEC can, cannot control the weather. It doesn't need to go to freaking Tampa where nobody's going to show up for, for the SEC baseball tournament in Tampa, Florida. Are you, are you kidding me? The, the, the only Florida fans that were in attendance <laughs> on the, for the championship game were, were the family members of Florida players. You, you think hosting the, this tournament in Dallas or, or Tampa or Jacksonville yes, is really going to be the, the proper solution? If we have if we have some Tampa Bay people on this pod, which I think we do actually, apologies. I love spending time in that area. I'm there a couple times a year. I like Tampa. I'm just saying Tropicana is since you cussed, I'll cuss. It is a complete shithole. <laughs> it looks looks what you see from it on the outside, it's worse than the inside. It is pathetic. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's bad because I love that franchise and needs to move to the other side of the bay. That's another podcast. But uh, yeah, it doesn't need to move at all because I mean, everyone says it needs to go to a dome. Okay, let's slip. That, that's recency bias here, just because of the Correct. rain, right? The closest dome would be Tampa, to my understanding, and it's not ever, ever going to go to Tampa. If, well, people were saying like it needs to move to Nashville. That is the one place I would love to see it played at the Sound Stadium. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, but uh, did we forget that Nashville is like three hours north of Birmingham? The the weather that Hoover is getting. Nashville is probably getting something similar. 
<laughs> like, are, are we forgetting these things? And, and my point about Tampa isn't that it, it doesn't need to be moved to Tampa because something's wrong with Tampa. I like Tampa, too. I just – the SEC fans are not going to travel to Tampa for tournaments. I, I think it's silly that the basketball tournament was there. I was going to say, I, I think they look at it and say that, well, the basketball tournament was just there, why not the baseball tournament? Well, and, and, well there's also a lot of nostalgia with, with the baseball tournament being in Hoover. And yeah. the Hoover Met is – perfect you have the main stadium and then it is a sports complex there are a million baseball fields scattered throughout the complex that that they host tournaments and and so on and so forth there's big parking lots plenty of room for parking uh the the actual stadium for the big games it's perfectly fine it's just the the constant negativity what was so annoying and then people had problems with start times who cares it's it's one week and they're doing it because of the weather situation that was just unluck, unlucky and out of out of their control. And, and then it was the home team away team situation. I and say, look, I, that's I, what that, I would say right there. That, that yes, that that was stupid. But that's not an SEC thing. That is a college baseball thing, and it is stupid. But it's like I, I constantly had people in my mentions blaming Greg Sankey. What is Greg Sankey going to do? It's not his decision to have those rules this weekend in the regional. The the same scenario is going to apply. Tennessee is hosting a regional and in one or two of the games, Tennessee will be the road team. The concept is stupid, but who cares, especially at Hoover? And, And I had people coming at me on Twitter when I tweeted this at a neutral site. I don't think it matters whether you're home or away. You're going to hit the same amount of times. You're going to pitch the same amount of times. If you play better than the other team, you're going to win. At a neutral site, I don't think it matters whether you're uh, the home team or the away team. I don't think it matters whether you bat first or not. If you bat first, okay, cool. You, you, you get an opportunity to put runs on the board first. If you're if you're the home team, you get to shut down the bats. And yeah, maybe you'd prefer to, to hit last, but if you handle your business over the course of eight innings, who cares if you're hitting last or first? I mean, am I a crazy man? I mean, people were just coming at me like, tell me there was some lady th- this this made me laugh. Some lady when I tweeted this was like, tell me you don't watch baseball without telling me you don't watch baseball. And, and naturally, I looked at this lady's profile and she does not follow me. So so clearly uh, she is not uh, aware of, of me and, and baseball. But no, lady, I, I don't watch any baseball. I hate the sport. I, oh, I just, oh, she actually hugs. said that to you. Yes, she. That was. I her thought you were just saying. I thought you were saying that as a generalization about her. That's hilarious. No, that's what she said to me because in, in my tw- I said, <laughs> I said I think the rule is stupid in terms of how they determine the home and away team. Tennessee was the away team against Florida in the championship game because Tennessee had been the away team less throughout the SEC tournament, and I was explaining that, and then I put in parentheses. I said I think the concept is stupid, but I don't think it really matters at a neutral site. And, and this lady responded and said, tell me you don't watch baseball without telling me you don't watch baseball. And I, I, just I, just want, I wanted to respond and say, lady, tell me you don't know me without telling me you don't know me. I don't know. You're a better person than me. I would have teed off. Uh, I also, I, I just wanted Tennessee to be the home team so that they, the game could end sooner because they were playing at midnight every night. And if you're the home team, t- Tennessee's going to be winning usually. I mean, they were the entire week. It, you know, by the time the ninth inning hits, so go ahead and get this thing done a half inning early. So um, I love that rant you just went on, man. It was unprompted. I mean, I didn't ask for it. I don't think anybody asked for it, but, you know, you said a bad word. People are laughing. I think that's hilarious. So 
good for you. <laughs> I just, I, the, it was just constant complaining all week. That's long. all we are now as a society. We got to complain about uh, yes. something, get internet mad. And it drives me crazy. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it absolutely drives me crazy uh, because the SEC, the weather was out of their control. They don't need to move locations. Uh, they hadn't had rain in weeks. What do you want them to do about starting the games? It's either get the games, and I, I was opposed to, to moving it to single elimination. That that, I mean, that's not what the SEC tournament is, and you didn't need to at that point. People are just soft. People, didn't, no, I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. All right, I, I didn't. No, go people that. are soft. I mean, there are some, but I was more joking with with the, with that comment. It's just the constant negativity drives me absolutely crazy. Um, but I, I didn't mean to go on on that long of a rant. I do want to talk about baseball and uh, ten to one Tennessee beat Vanderbilt. Blake Tidwell was on the mound. I mean, you know, they they did the, the five the titties, run third inning. Titties were out in Nashville or <laughs> in Hoover while Blake Tidwell was facing the team from Nashville. So it, it turned out to be a, a really fun weekend in terms of just the baseball itself. And that's why I'm so frustrated with all the other complaints, because I knew that by the time they were able to get to baseball, it would be a really good product. And if people would just quit complaining, they could enjoy the product. And, and like Chase Dolander versus LSU's lineup, that was must must watch TV. And we'll, we'll get to that here in a moment. But uh, after my long rant, that was not intended. Do want to touch on the Vanderbilt win first. We'll go back through and uh, highlight uh, the, the the key points of, of each game. Obviously, we could be here for hours talking about the play-by-play of, of each game, but you mentioned Blade Tidwell, and, and Blade started game one. Uh, that continued to be the case, even with Tennessee starting on, on Thursday. And, Eric, I mean, it was just a pretty dominant win in that game. Tennessee's bats were rocking and rolling. Uh, the pitching was really good. The defense was really good. There were no base running mistakes that I can remember off the top of my head, if I can think that far back to, to Thursday night. Uh, and my biggest takeaway walking away from the Vanderbilt win was the simple fact that Tennessee dominated Vanderbilt after dealing with all of those circumstances and, and not having played baseball in a couple of days. You, you don't have a midweek game for the first time all season you're cooped up inside of a hotel in Hoover, Alabama. You, you don't know when you're going to play. You don't, you don't play on Wednesday. You have to play on Thursday, just a, a weird week. And you would have never known by the way, Tennessee played against Vanderbilt. No, it was awesome. I thought Tidwell pitched very, very well. Um, I know that he didn't last too long and you know, that's okay. I mean, that was probably by design in terms of, okay, you're going to, you're going to let him go 75, 80 pitchers or whatever, and then get him out. Because, again, you want to still rest these guys a little bit. But, you know, one run over a four and a third, three hits. Uh, he threw up a, a zero spot in the first three innings. And so I thought that he was uh, – or really first four innings, excuse me. I thought he looked overall pretty good. Now, he did walk a little bit too too many, you know, three walks. But it kind of is what it is. But but the offense is great. And your, your point exactly, like, you're just being cooped up and just waiting and waiting and waiting. And you come out and you have a, you have a single – or, excuse me, you have a – two outs double from Gilbert in the bottom of the first inning. And then you explode for five runs in that third inning. And what I liked the most about that, Ben, was spreading the wealth. I mean, Ortega had an RBI double. It was Gilbert who had a uh, a dropped – it was a single. Yeah, it had a single. And then, I mean, so Evan Russell had an RBI double. I think uh, Lipsius had a sacrifice fly. And it was just up and down the line that there wasn't one big blow to the bat like you saw on Saturday with the three-run double, right? It was so many guys just – just knocking it in, right? And then, of course, 
you know, you score, you put up a five spot in one, one frame. I mean, you're, you're sitting pretty for the, for the rest of the game. So a lot to like about Thursday and you know, it came against Vanderbilt, which made it even better. Right. Right. And Tennessee goes four and against Vanderbilt this season. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, and I know Vanderbilt's down this year and they'll bounce back. Tim Corbin is too great of a college baseball coach to, to have these seasons continue. They're, they're also a young team, especially on the mound. So Vanderbilt will be back. But this year on the field, Tennessee and Vanderbilt just look like they're in a class separate of, of one another. And obviously Tennessee being a class above Vanderbilt this season. But again, just a really dominant overall performance. The the offense was really good. Ten runs on ten hits. I was bullpen about to mention the bullpen. Kirby Connell, he, he was really good. 1.2 innings. Uh, worked out of a jam with the bases loaded. I got Enrique Bradfield Jr. to ground into a double play on the first pitch. That that was a really cool moment. Yeah. Uh, give Kirby another bite of that turkey leg. Uh, ben Joyce came in and pitched a one, two, three, ninth inning. Camden Sewell pitched a, a one, two, three in, in the seventh inning. Will Mabry uh, recorded the final two outs of, of the eighth inning. Uh, just a, a really dominant performance for Tennessee to get the weekend going when you didn't really know what Tennessee was going to look like because of all of the circumstances that were up in the air to, to start the week. And that set up a matchup with LSU that, Eric, I, I was just thrilled about this LSU-Tennessee matchup. I, I was not thrilled about the, the start time, per se, uh, but I, I was excited for, for baseball. Well, I, I was not thrilled about the start time when I woke up after being up till 5 a.m. Uh, the next morning, but I, I was thrilled going into the game because, as I said a, a moment ago, Chase Dolander versus that LSU lineup, it was must-watch television, and Chase Dolander was the story of that game because that LSU lineup is a big league lineup. Dylan Cruz and Chase Dolander in next year's draft, they they both may be top five picks, top five, top ten picks, and uh, there was a clash there between those two, and, and you have so many other big leaguers in that LSU lineup uh, as well, and Dolander was just impressive, so impressive. He, he improved the 9-0 uh, 6.2 innings of work. He struck out nine on 99 pitches, and 72 of his 99 pitches were strikes. He only had two walks, only gave up four hits. Uh, I believe it was one earned run uh, that that he allowed. Yep, yep. And, one, two uh, runs, one earn. Yep. Yes, because of some some defensive miscues. Uh, the defense was was not that great, especially in one inning uh, for Tennessee in that game. But Eric, I, I continue to think and feel better and better each week about me thinking that Chase Dolander is the best pitcher in college baseball right now. Well, without a doubt. I mean, he's been Tennessee's best pitcher for a long time, right? I mean, um, and there were some people, you know, fighting amongst the board or in the comments or whatever saying that, you know, oh, Drew Beam this, for Chase Burns that. I mean, for a Tennessee fan, who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, I mean, they're all pitching great, but it, it's no doubt about it. I mean, it's Chase Dolander. He, is, he has been, frankly, just phenomenal here lately, and he was awesome the other night. I mean, what a joy to watch him go to work. I mean, Nine strikeouts to that lineup, 72 strikes on 99 pitches. Um, he was he was awesome. And, you know, Dylan Cruz, a great baseball player, fantastic baseball player, of course, co-player uh, of the year in the SEC. And, you know, allowing his club to be two for five, yeah, he got some hits in the game and everything, scored a run, but he didn't beat you. And, you know, that was that, that's a good thing, hitting the top of that lineup. So I thought it was just another – Incredible performance from Chase Dolander. And then again, the bullpen coming in against that lineup 
you know, finishing off the game, McLaughlin comes in, faces one batter, but then you have, you know, Connell to come in, you get, get an out, and then Redmond Wash pitching the last, uh, last two innings of the ball game. So um, the story of that game, no matter what, was Chase Dolander. He was fantastic, and that put Tennessee in the driver's seat to uh, advance on in the SEC tournament and play two teams you probably didn't think you were going to be playing the next two days in Kentucky and Florida. Yeah, Chase Dolander earned some money <laughs> that, that night. Uh, that, that's the simplest way to put it. You mentioned Redmond Walsh. He ties Todd Helton for the career save record. That was career save number 23. Pretty impressive from an intramural Four. player. Yes, from an intramural player, as Tony Vitello said after the game, he pitched two innings, too, to, to pick up the save, yeah. as you pointed out, just one walk, one hit. He also struck out one. And just really cool that Redmond Walsh, being a Tennessee kid, growing up in the Knoxville area in East Tennessee, and uh, he, he talked about that after the game, saying that when, you're, when your name is in the category with a guy who is probably the best player to ever ever come through Tennessee, there's, there's no words, and uh, mentioned that, Growing up uh, around here, you you want to be Luke Hochaver, you want to be J.P. Aaron Sebia, you want to be Todd Helton, and again for Redmond to to have to have his name mentioned with Todd Helton for him, uh, there were really no words. And Tony obviously had some some funny comments about that situation after the game. Jordan Beck again, uh, huge for Tennessee early in that ball, all ball game, but early in that ball game. Coming up with a big RBI triple to put Tennessee on the board early, and then uh, I guess was it the frame later in the field? I can't. Remember. It was it was very closely later. He Top runs makes, Yeah, he runs and makes that incredible catch in the corner in right field. So uh, a lot of people frustrated with Jordan Beck leading up to that game and all that, but uh, he came through in a major way, getting Tennessee's offense and defense out humming there behind Chase Dolander early in that ball game against that talented lineup. Jordan Beck, huh? Slumping Jordan Beck, huh? I mean, regardless, the numbers were not good. He was hitting the ball well. He's getting on base, but you know Tennessee needed him to hit, and he and he was hitting uh, early in that ball game for sure. But I'm with right. you, man. I, I, he was getting on base. He was hitting the ball hard and all that. It's um, sometimes baseball is cruel, and it was being cruel to him there for for a little stretch. Correct, and he, he finally had some results pay yep. off for him. He, he had been seeing the ball well. He had been hitting the ball well. Uh, although the stats did not back that up. Tony Vitello voiced that after the Vanderbilt game. Uh, he said it again after the LSU game when Beck had some some big hits. I mean, again, I, I don't want to gaslight anybody. I, I don't want Tony Vitello to, to sit up there and gaslight anybody either. But it, it's just because if if a guy is, is three for 30. You've been gaslighting people all, all shows, so keep going. <laughs> Hey, all I know, Friday morning when I woke up, there was some awesome breeding that I could take part in on the GQ, okay? That's all I got to say. <laughs> it, it, if, if a guy's three for 30, that looks awful. And that, that's what Beck's stats look like. But if you were watching, he was hitting the ball most of the time right at people and had nothing to show for it. Go back and watch game three at Mississippi State. Go back and watch the Kentucky series. Again, he wasn't perfect over – that stretch I'm, I'm not trying to say that either he had some bad strikeouts we talked about it yeah, he's striking out too much in in the preview pop but he's also getting on base and so somebody wanted to say how is he seeing pitches well if his numbers are this and that well well buddy he led the team in walks over the last three weekends obviously he's seen the ball well <laughs> if he's seen a lot of pitches and he is reaching base via walks that means he is seeing the baseball well 
I don't know how how else to say that. And, and on top of him getting on base via walks, which signals in your head that he is seeing the ball well, he is smoking the ball right at people quite often, and he just has nothing to show for it. Just because his numbers say he's three for 30, that doesn't actually mean he's in a slump. We, we, you have to have some context. It, it's, it, it's not like he was up there three for 30 and the, the other 27 outs were, were just bad strikeout after bad strikeout after bad strikeout. No, there were a lot of lineouts into the outfield <laughs> with some bad luck mixed in there. And he's also walking and still getting on base. So Jordan Beck was never in a, a true poor slump like some wanted to make him out to be and it finally paid off the the ball finally bounced his way which is how baseball goes Drew no matter what after the, and, the the final game he said i i was chasing balls that that i typically don't and uh i, I got back to being myself that that's part of baseball it happens and no matter what no matter how bad the numbers look or whatever during a stretch you keep Jordan Beck hitting there at number three in the lineup because that's going to happen. What happened against LSU? He's too good of a hitter not to. He sees the ball too well. He's too important to that lineup to where, I mean, you just know that eventually something's going to give. And then something gave against LSU and impromptu time. And I thought that was, uh, I thought that was really, really good for Tennessee moving forward in that game. And again, when you have a guy like Dolander on the mound, it just, you know, any type of lead, you just feel like it's so safe, right? Because of how well Chase is pitching. Yep, so uh, that those are the storylines from the LSU game. Uh, Jace Dolander shoved it up LSU's rear end. Redmond Walsh closed it out to say, or to tie Todd Helton for the save record at Tennessee, and then Jordan Beck had a, had a really big game. And that sliding catch that you mentioned was just so, so impressive. Oh, yeah. He, he was plus four in the run category those first two innings. Uh, he drove in a run on the RBI triple, then scores on a wild pitch. That was in the bottom of the first, and – then in the top of the second, he he makes that tremendous catch with two runners on base to save those two runs from scoring. So Jordan Beck was really good along with Redmond and Chase Dolander in that game. And Eric, I, I thought we were going to get a rematch the next night. I, I thought it was going to be Tennessee LSU part two on Saturday night, but instead LSU went and lost to Kentucky uh, the, the next afternoon. And, and that was the other big thing about beating LSU is that Tennessee was able to avoid the doubleheader. Uh, it, it, that that's where the weather would have impacted Tennessee is that had they lost that game to LSU, then it would have had to turn around and play two games in one day. They were able to avoid that with that win. And Tennessee didn't get the Friday off that teams typically get if you win your first two games in Hoover because of the weather, but at least you avoided the doubleheader the, the next day of having to turn around, play until 2, 3 in the morning, turn around and, and play around noon, 1 o'clock the next day, and then go play another game that night, late into the night. Tennessee avoided that, and I, I think that bit LSU in the butt having to turn around and play early that next day. I, I I wonder if LSU actually would have lost if if they hadn't had played until 2, 3 a.m. the night before because you watched that LSU-Kentucky game and LSU just looked completely out of it, it looked completely lost at the plate. No, they did. And see, well, that was 7-2 to two the final, I believe. Yeah, 7-2 yes. to two, Kentucky over LSU and – I mean, let's be frank here, right? I mean, I mean, everybody can get hot and play at the right time, but I mean, what we saw for Kentucky this past week, I mean, who would have thought that was going to happen, right? Hats off to Kentucky. I mean, they they made the, the most of this run in the SEC tournament. Too bad it didn't you know mean anything, but at the end of the day, Tennessee was playing Kentucky 
and not LSU. And I don't care how good anybody's playing at a certain time. I'd much rather play the worst team, which is Kentucky, than a pretty good team, which is LSU. And so uh, that made the win the night before all that more important. But, I mean, Kentucky gave Tennessee a battle, too, there in game three of the week for the Volunteers. I guess this was um, this was Saturday night, late Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night. And uh, if not for Tennessee kind of exploding there towards the end, you know, getting four runs in, at the eighth and sixth in the ninth, um, that, that score would have looked a lot closer. I mean, it was it was a tie game, 2-2, heading into the eighth inning. Um, I thought Drew Beam, uh, he's, you know, ultimately his numbers don't look that great, three and a third. Uh, no runs, which was good, uh, two hits. He walked four, which wasn't fantastic. He did strike out six, 71 pitches and three and a third. That's not going to, you know, win you a lot of ball games. I thought, and I said this in Around the Horn, Ben, I thought he battled, didn't have his best stuff. Command was an issue at times, but he kept battling and battling and battling. And ultimately, he had Tennessee. When he gave the ball up, Tennessee had the lead. And I thought that was impressive for him. And so uh, in comes in Chase Burns and. He was freaking fantastic out of the bullpen. And they kept trying to say, well, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Chase Burns' role is going to be for Tennessee in the postseason. We all know what Chase Burns' role is going to be in Tennessee in the postseason. He's going to get the ball, and he's going to look great from the start, likely. But he was phenomenal out of the pen. And, again, just because of great pitching, it allowed – it it you know, bode well – or not bode well, it allowed times for the bats to catch up. And then when they finally got going, they exploded in a big way, and it was a 12-2 blowout win. But the pitching – was the reason Tennessee won that ball game. And a lot of that was because of Chase Burns. Yes. Uh, the pitching kept Tennessee in that game because Tennessee could not hit <laughs> the ball those those first seven innings. It was a much closer game than the final score indicates. Tennessee went 12 to 2, uh, scored 10 runs on seven hits over the final two innings. <laughs> but that game was 2 to 2, entering the eighth inning. Yep. And again, just Tennessee could barely do anything those first seven innings, two runs on five hits, those first seven innings, then 10 runs on seven hits over the final two. And, and that's also pretty impressive from this Tennessee offense. That that's obviously you'd like to get going earlier, but it just also shows you how dominant this baseball team is that they, they really have the pitching to go along with the hitting and the hitting to go along with the pitching, whichever way you want to word it, whichever one you want to put first, they, we talk about um, football playing. Well, I mean, they complement uh, each other. They complement yes. each other. On, yes. on a night like that, that's where you're going with that. On a night like this where the bats just were, were sleepwalking the entire game, but the pitching was so good that it kept it a, a not just a, a close game. No, it kept it a tie ball game for quite some time until the offense came back around and was able to show up. So complimenting each other is the best kind of phrase or comparison I can give you. Yes. That, that's where I was going. We, we talk about football teams playing complementary football with one another, the defense matching up with the offense or, or helping one another. That, that's what this baseball team does. It, it, yeah. it really does. The, the pitching with Drew Beam and Chase Burns kept Tennessee in it for, for quite some time, and I thought you hit the, hit the nail on the head with uh, what you said about Drew Beam. Uh, four walks, not, not the best, obviously. Not great. Uh, I, I did think he, he still struggled with his command. Uh, 35 of his 71 pitches were strikes. That That's just not good. Uh, no. you, you can't sustain that. Uh, that. That is for sure. But I, I do think he battled. And, and although the, the command wasn't what it needs to be, I, I do think he, he looked better this week in Hoover than maybe he did in his previous couple of outings um, because of how he did battle. He, he was able to pitch in to the fourth inning. 
Uh, and, and his the, the biggest way I could tell that his stuff was a little bit better is because he was getting swings and misses, and, and that had not been the case the, the last several outings. I mean, he struck out six. Uh, so that tells you, in my opinion, that that beam is starting to bounce back, maybe slowly, gradually, but starting to bounce back from hitting that freshman wall a couple of weeks ago. And then Chase Burns out of the bullpen was was just amazing. Eight Comes strikeouts. In, yes, in the fourth inning, works out of a jam in that inning and, and then goes 4.2 innings of work. Uh, did give up two runs, but worked out of multiple jams and got better as the game progressed. He gave up one walk, gave up three hits, and struck out eight, as you mentioned, on 63 pitches. Chase Burns, that, that was the best he's looked since hitting that same freshman wall that Drew Beam hit. No, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was fantastic. And, and real quick, we can probably hit on this more later in the week when we have more information But and on that preview pod, but you know, thoughts here on a, on a, I guess it is Monday, Memorial Day. How do you think Drew Beam's going to be used this weekend? That is a, a great question. We will definitely hit, hit on that more in, in the preview pod. But my initial thought is Alabama State, not very good. Why not throw him against Alabama State in game one? Okay. Yeah, and, I mean, and that, that way you, you have Chase Burns, Chase Dolander, and Blake Tidwell the rest of the weekend if, if for some reason you have to, to work out of the loser bracket. And this team has, has so much pitching depth that if you can tell that Drew Bean doesn't have it early, you, you can get him out of there rather quickly and preserve him for a bullpen role later in the weekend, maybe. I was going to say, I think at this point, from what we've seen the last couple of weeks, and that doesn't mean it, it's, it's going to be the same case throughout the rest of the season, depending on how far Tennessee goes. But I think it's almost like a piggyback top situation that you're going to see if Drew Bean starts a game, because that was clearly what they did the other night. And of course, Tony V said, Hey, you know, four with beam four with burns, you know, one other. And that was kind of his, his mindset going into the game. And that's, that's what happened. But I think you need to have somebody ready, capable of throwing multiple innings behind him in case they need to get him early or he just kind of loses it. Cause again, we talk about that freshman wall. It just, there's no escaping it with Drew Beam. The last couple of starts, the last couple of outings for him. It just, it, it's evident, right? But that doesn't mean he can't be effective for a short amount of time, or you can't put them out there because I still think that there's value with them. I'm just intrigued on how they're going to use them, so that'll be interesting. You know, the, the what you know if they throw if they throw them on uh on Friday night, I could definitely see that. Or if they bring them out of the pen, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting, but nonetheless, four in the eighth, six in the ninth, just about everybody joined the party. But my favorite part of that whole thing was probably uh, that Blake Burke home run. Um, in the bomb. In freaking credible. So we got a King Griffey Jr. comparison earlier in the season. And remind me, what was the comparison on Saturday night? Uh, Tony com- compared him the swing, that is, to, yeah, to the Will swing. Clark after Mississippi State. It, it's been Griffey and, and Will Clark are the two that I remember okay. off the top of my head. I, I, okay. It does feel like there was another one. I feel like there was another one this weekend. Maybe it was a telecast. I can't remember, but just the swing. It's so sweet. And the reason Todd why Helton. Tennessee Todd, was it? Okay. Todd Helton. There we go. To, Tony, um, Tony was asked about the, the Blake Burke home run. And he said, what I saw was a Todd Helton type of swing. Yeah. And so you got guys like that. That's been battling just for PT all year long. That's why Tennessee baseball is not going anywhere. But nonetheless, my favorite part of the whole game was that home run. <laughs> it came towards the very, very end. But the bats, the bats finally got there, and they exploded the big way with full, with ten in the last two innings. It certainly did. 
and, and just to put a bow on that pitching comment that you brought up, I, I agree with you having somebody ready to piggyback uh, Drew Beam. I, I think that guy's Camden Sewell. I, I don't think it'll be yeah. Chase Burns. I, I think Chase Burns is a starter. I, I Chase think is why, starting, yes. I, I think why Tony wrote for, for Chase on, on that index card that he mentioned before the game is because there's no guaranteed game on Sunday at that point. And, and Chase you had Burns to get him needs, needs to pitch. And, yep. and so that's why you saw him in that particular situation. So, uh, yeah, the broadcast that, kept talking like, oh, he's got that closer stuff. And that, that very well may be true. He's like, oh, I'm intrigued to see how they're going to use him this postseason. I'm sitting here like he's going to be a starter. He's just getting his work in no matter what right now. So, yeah, anyway. I, I, I thought the same thing. I, I would be surprised if if he's the, the closer. He's I'd be surprised if he doesn't start uh, th- this upcoming weekend in the regional. We'll, we'll see what they do in the Super Regionals. Uh, all you need is two games, and, and I do think Blade Tidwell and Chase Dolander are, are your first two starters. Who starts a game three? Do do you roll with a Chase Burns? Do you go with Camden Sewell? I, I think that's a, a fascinating conversation that we will definitely get into uh, later on this week. Speaking of Camden Sewell, Eric, Camden Sewell was the man in Tennessee's SEC Tournament Championship game. The Gator Killer not the the Gator Killer because that 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 nickname is reserved for Jabari Davis, but uh the Gator Killer Camden Sewell, which is a really cool story, a pretty funny story more so than cool maybe, uh, just neat. Uh, Camden is a Tennessean, grew up uh, in good old Cleveland, Tennessee, but grew up a Florida fan. Decides to come to Tennessee and. Uh, I, I know Camden's mom has been on social media and, and on a local news station describing what it was like to, to see Camden uh, commit to Tennessee and immediately change the, the bedding in his room and, and his house key well, it was a Florida Gators house key. Had to get that changed immediately. Uh, just just it's hilarious to me. And, and the irony is unbelievable that he goes from being a, a big Florida fan to absolutely shoving it up Florida's rear end over the course of his college career. And, and Sunday was no different because he was awesome in the SEC Tournament Championship game. Yeah, he was fantastic. in Tennessee, ensuring that they got all their guys' uh, quality innings and work and everything kind of had a hold there for uh, for Sunday in terms of that there's going to be a star. But now, how how great is it to be in a position to where you can throw Cannon Sue out there, who got some work in earlier in the weekend, but only I believe it was an inning and a third against – Gosh, maybe it was uh, LSU. I can't remember, but uh, was fresh. Five innings, six hits, no runs, had a strikeout, no walks. You know, sixty-one pitches on five innings. Uh, talk about being efficient, man. I mean, you know, I love the the you know the pitch counts, the number of innings pitched. I love that. I'm obsessed with that, and that that was fantastic for Sewell, who can be a starting pitcher on so many so many different teams around the country. Uh, but has a key role in this bullpen for Tennessee and uh, can is able to step in and, and have a spot start. So uh, because of him, the offense came around there. He had four in the four in the fifth, three in the sixth, and you know, tacked on another one in the ninth. But the story of the day, in my opinion, was Cannon Sewell, and he was he was fantastic. Then the bullpen came in, and you know a couple of them got roughed up a little bit there towards the end. But overall, it was uh, the the final score was closer than what we thought it was going to be. Don't get me wrong, but it was uh, still feel like it was a dominant win for Tennessee and. Uh, because of the start on the mound with Cannon Sewell, he was he was magnificent. He was he he was, and and I have a couple of things to share. Uh, first off, I I, I kind of wonder if if maybe we see Cannon Sewell back next year. 
I, I, I just wonder. I, I think it's been assumed that he may give it a shot at the next level and certainly deserving. I, I don't know when or where or if he would be drafted. Uh, and depending on if he is drafted, which if he is drafted, then I, I think it's probably a no-brainer that he leaves. But uh, if he's not drafted, is it really worth it to, to sign an undrafted free agent deal? for the type of money and uh, from from some conversations not about Tennessee but just baseball and major league baseball and, and how minor league teams a, a lot of them have gone away uh, a lot of those undrafted free agent deals have have gone away as well there, there's just not yeah. as many undrafted guys that that sign anymore so uh, uh, look I Camden deserves even even though that there aren't a ton of undrafted deals remaining um or at least as much as there there once were i I think he still should be one of the top guys if he does not get drafted that that should be signed um he he is certainly deserving you mentioned it i mean he he should start at just about any school in the country he should be starting here it's just tennessee has an embarrassment of riches so i I do wonder if we see camden back next year I, i think it's always and the reason i'm mentioning it is because even in my mind, it's just been a foregone conclusion that he's gone. But, hey, I, I wonder if other circumstances will prevent him from doing that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, before all the, you know, the Rob Manfred killed minor league baseball, um, and th- there were so many other minor league teams and there were so many other opportunities and all that, I was going to say, I mean, I was around a lot of undrafted free agents in my time, um, you know, calling rookie ball and, the you know, what, what they signed to play for. I mean, it, it was not a whole lot of money, man. Ben, you and I made more money in radio than that. Like, seriously, like it's, it's, and that's saying something. I mean, they, the money is not good. Now, again, I'm not sure. Maybe that's changed some since a lot of those jobs have gone away. But there was a time that I, I, I wholeheartedly believed you had an opportunity to come back and to play yourself into a draftable position like he would if he were to come back, then you do it because a lot of times, I mean, just the, the money's not worth leaving early if you're not selected. So maybe that plays a role into it as well. But I mean, he's uh, he he he's fantastic, and again, he he um, one of the more underrated. Him and Evan Russell, I really feel like just one of the more underrated. And, we, and people talk about Evan Russell all the time, rightfully so. But uh, underrated is Camden Sewell on this baseball team, on the best baseball team in the country. Yes, uh, and, and speaking of Camden, the, I said I had two two things that I wanted to share. The other thing uh, is. Uh, a, a neat little story that started with with my, my guy Pav Connor Pavaloni, and, and maybe I shouldn't share this, so I, I, I'm going to share it anyways. I, I don't think it's a huge deal, but Pav, if, uh, forgive me if, if you didn't want this to be shared, but uh, it came out. I, I tweeted it. Tony said it after the game that Camden Sewell texted him Sunday morning, and in, in in a polite way. Um, said, hey, give me the baseball. <laughs> let, let me start today. And I, I don't know if Tony's feeding into the story, but Tony said, okay, it, here you go. You, you can have the ball. Uh, I, I think Camden would have started even if he had not texted Tony. I, I think he was the best option at that point. But uh, that was uh, a, a neat storyline in the Camden Sewell storyline. And the reason I mentioned Connor Pavoloni is because I wake up Sunday morning after being up till 5 a.m. and checking my phone, as I always do. And Pav had texted me at 8.42 a.m. and said, 
Sewell has to get the ball here. And I would not be the least bit shocked if he texted V last night and told him to give him the ball. There you go. <laughs> and look, Pav does not tell me things. We talk about outcomes and things of that nature. Um, but I texted him back and I said, you, you, you can see into the future, huh? And he said, just got to know your guys. And uh, speaks to, to the awesome catcher uh, that, that Pav was and, and still is. But uh, he, he summed it up perfectly. You, you got to know your guys. And Camden Sewell is a, a top dog. And I thought it was funny that that morning I woke up to a text from Pav saying, you got to give the ball to, to, to Camden here. Sewell, Sewell has to get the ball here. And I, I would not be the least bit shocked if he texted V last night and told him to give him the ball. And if they do give him the ball, it's over. And, and Pav could not have predicted the day any better. Not only did Camden text Tony, <laughs> he, he did get the ball and he shoved. It, it yeah. was over from that from that point on. And and uh, obviously Tony said after the game that he that Camden texted him as well. So I, I thought that was that was pretty funny. But uh, the storyline was Camden and Drew Gilbert and that one, Eric, because Drew Gilbert was awesome at the plate. You want to talk about slumps? He was in a mini slump. That 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 is what a a mini slump looks like when you are swinging at pitches you don't normally swing at. And oh, look- he was so mad. He was so mad. He knows. Was it- was it um yeah it was not like before it was against uh Kentucky I mean I was cussing out his bat walking back to the dugout he was so pissed right and oh man he came away in just a a huge huge way on Sunday and um obviously tournament MVP for a reason right I mean he 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 was humongous in a couple of those games especially on Sunday yeah th- those last two hits on Sunday were were pretty cool uh, yeah just talk about storylines uh. Jordan Beck steps to the plate, runner on second and third. Nobody on base. Florida decides to intentionally walk Jordan Beck to pitch to Drew Gilbert. And, and honestly, I would have done the same thing. I, I I would have done the same thing. You had a lefty-lefty matchup. Mm-hmm. Drew had not looked like himself the the last well, couple regardless, of – Regardless, you're going to take that so personal, right? I mean, it's like Michael yes. Jordan in, in, in the last dance, and I took that personally. Gilbert gets on second base and he lets him know. He lets him know. You you pitched to me again. <laughs> I yeah, love walk, reading. Lists. Walk me next time, Sully, with oh, a with man. a couple of f bombs uh, included. And look, there's there's no perfect solution. Jordan Becker, Drew Gilbert, pick your poison. And no. Jordan again had been seeing the ball well, especially this week in Hoover. He had a really nice mm-hmm. SEC tournament. Uh, he had been seeing the ball well, and even in that game already. You had an open base. You had the lefty-lefty matchup. Drew had not looked like himself uh, his last several at-bats, swinging at pitches out of the zone. That pitcher on the mound had had success against Drew that game already in making him not look like himself. So I, I realize that Drew Gilbert is still Drew Gilbert, even if he may be in a in a mini slump uh, or have I think he's still hitting 389, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I, I realize that. He, he can still beat you even if he hadn't looked like himself the previous at bat. But I would have done the same thing, honestly. As, was as, as he was walking Jordan Beck, Kevin O'Sullivan, the Florida coach, I, I thought to myself, hey, I, I think this is a smart decision, and it, and it just didn't pay off. And, look, Drew hit the ball really well, but the Florida left fielder did not help the pitcher whatsoever. I mean, he charged in on the ball as if it was – going to be a blue pit and and then obviously you saw on television he had to retreat quickly uh, because drew hit it much harder than he anticipated yeah there was an bat. i mean just go a little bit more on drew gilbert and some of his struggles this weekend before he finally broke out 
Um, there was a uh, there was an bat against Kentucky, and he got crossed up. He guessed wrong, whatever. And like, I mean, the ca- the the ball was in the catcher's mitt, and then he started swinging. I mean, it looked so. I mean, it looked. Dis- if you're a baseball guy or gal, it 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 made you vomit. It made you sick almost looking. I was like, what? It that looked horrible and just the frustration and everything. So, I mean, again, to your point, talking about mini slump and everything, not a horrible decision there by Florida to walk, to get to him. But when you do that, somebody does that, you make them pay. And uh, ultimately that's what Gilbert did. And he got some help, but you, you got to make them pay. And Tennessee from that on that point on just blew that game open. It certainly did. Uh, Camden Sewell drew Gilbert, the storyline of the championship game. Uh, Drew Gilbert also hit a solo home run that we didn't know if it was going to be fair or foul. Drew had to sit there and and watch. And when he did finally see it fair, he delivered a beautiful bat flip, uh, as only the bat flip king can do. Uh, and from that point on, after Drew Gilbert hit that uh, bases clearing uh, double there uh, in the middle of the game to, to break it open, you did have Florida score some runs at the end of the game. Uh, ben Joyce didn't have great command. Uh, Xander Seacrest, he he finally gets to pitch against an SEC team, faces two batters, gives up a double and a single. Redmond also ran into a little bit of trouble there in the ninth inning. Uh, I believe that was back-to-back doubles there uh, as well. Uh, but still, the, the bats did enough. We talk about complimentary <laughs> football. Yeah. Well, it was complimentary baseball all weekend. The, the, the pitching picked up the hitting. The hitting picked up. The pitching, the pitching picked up the defense. The the defense picked up the pitching. Trey Lipscomb was awesome defensively. Going back to the Vanderbilt game, that barehanded play he made, oh, yeah. bases loaded, was just absolutely marvelous. That That is the, in my opinion, I played third base, and at least for me, I thought the hardest play playing third base was the, the slow roller that you had to bare hand and quickly get over to first base just because it, it has to be precise execution. And it's, it's so hard to, to bare, bare hand a baseball when you're trying to make that motion all at once. And Trey Lipscomb did it flawlessly. Some third baseman would maybe tell you that uh, the backhand uh, deep in the hole, so to speak, or, or down the baseline uh, maybe is also the, the tougher play to make. But I always enjoyed that because you get to show off the arm strength on, on that play. But that, that play trade made was awesome. And then even yesterday in the championship game, uh, back-to-back plays uh, in, in one inning, uh, he, he made the diving stop and threw it over to, to save a run early in the game that Luke made a nice pick on. Uh, Trey Lipscomb and Luke Lipsy is playing some some really great defensive baseball right now. Luke, Luke's crushing the ball at the plate, uh, but uh, and Trey is too. But I think Trey and Luke's defense has been just as important as their offense lately. No, they have. Uh, they're they're playing fantastic defense. And back on those plays, you know, at, at third base, if you did the you know the sharp the sharp chopper there, line driver, whatever down the line, if you backhanded that, sometimes. You know the momentum will swing you around. And you're able to throw it there up and deep in the line and whatnot. But I, I the the, the slow roller that you you bare hand to throw across the diamond. That's the Chipper Jones play for us Braves fans. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, not many people have done it better than him. But I mean, just anywhere you want to spin it, that was a great defensive play. He looked great. Luke looked great. Luke Luke had some big hits in this one as well. I mean, just overall, I mean, the the, the entire week and. And you and I stress about it. Like at the end of the day, like you're playing to win the games. You want to win the games, but there's a bigger picture. You want to get all your guys some work in. You want to get some timely hitting. You want to not look like crap. But at the end of the day, if you lose, it's okay. Um, 
you know, Mississippi State was run ruled by Tennessee and Hoover last year. We saw what happened at the end of their season, right? Uh, Tennessee was just trying to get ready for regionals and and hopefully super regionals and and uh, Hoover, excuse me, uh, Omaha after that. But and, and mission accomplished. You did both, right? So uh, the celebration was fun to watch. I know you were down there, but uh, it, it's always great to win a championship. And it, I think it's really really neat that Tennessee was able to do both because I think they're positioned well. I think what Tony wanted to get, you know, just like you said on the telecast the other night, like was it perfect? No, but. It was pretty close. I mean, I think Tennessee accomplished what it set out to accomplish this week in Hoover, and uh, it was exciting and it had a lot of cool moments. Yes, I, I don't think the week in Hoover could have gone any better in no. terms of Tennessee playing baseball. <laughs> Maybe next year Mother Nature will cooperate better uh, and prevent rain and prevent ridiculous start times. But in terms of the baseball that Tennessee played, uh, they, they could not have asked for a better week. Uh, in my opinion, in my opinion, pitchers got the work they needed. The the bats didn't look like they were in a funk from the couple of days off. Um, maybe cut down on the defensive mistakes, but overall, just a, a really good week of baseball for Tennessee. And I think they're well positioned going into the regional, as you mentioned, to put a bow on the SEC tournament. There, there were some really cool stats uh, to come out of Tennessee winning the tourney. Uh, I mentioned that at the start of the podcast that Tennessee's tournament championship this week this weekend was their first since 1995 following the division tournaments uh, Tennessee had previously won the SEC East tournament in 1993 1994 and 1995 but never had won an SEC tournament that consisted of both divisions uh, Tennessee is the first school to win both the SEC baseball and SEC basketball tournament in the same year since the SEC implemented the basketball tournament once again in 1979, uh, I also saw the, the the tweet as well that the SEC sent out uh, that Tennessee is the first school to win the baseball tournament, the basketball tournament, and the women's soccer tournament all in the same year. Uh, very, very cool. And then the last one, Eric, Tennessee becomes the fourth SEC baseball team to outright win both the regular season title and the SEC tournament in the same year since the league adopted the Omaha style of bracket in 1998. So just some, some really fascinating stats there. Uh, my fa- I, I don't know which one's my favorite. Uh, I think all are, are pretty unique, especially to me individually. Uh, I was born in 1995, so <laughs> I'm, I'm about to turn 27 in September. From my standpoint, it, it's really neat that uh, the last time Tennessee won was the year that I was born. And then the next time they win is a month and a half before my firstborn, my son, is born. So uh, that, that's pretty cool from my standpoint. How, how could you not be through it if you're a Tennessee fan winning both the freaking baseball and, and basketball tournament in the same year? And, and what was the basketball stat? 1979 was the last time that they won? 79, yeah. Okay, thank you. I couldn't remember off the top of my head. I mean, that Bert, a lot of Bert camp this was year. on that squad, so you know it's yes. been a while. Um, <laughs> yes, that's right. Nah, and then to, I mean, to win both is just incredible. So baseball, basketball, both winning those tournaments and both the regular season crown and, and the tournament crown, just pretty incredible every way, every way you want to slice it. I will forever, and I've heard you say this before too, I mean, I will forever say this, it's, it's more impressive to win a regular season championship than a tournament championship, in my opinion, because you have to sustain weeks and weeks and weeks and series upon series and all that. But just like in basketball, I mean, there's something to winning the tournament championship, right? Just a couple of days getting over there. You got to 
you know, it's all about matchup dependency, right? And who's getting hot at the right time. I mean, especially with like how Tennessee basketball did it this past year. Remember Kennedy Chandler, you know, went in there and rolled his ankle there the first couple of minutes of the game on a Friday night. And I remember just sitting there saying, well, we'll see what happens in Tennessee this weekend, but just persevere, persevered and pushed through it and able to win the whole thing on that Sunday. But I mean, you know, Tennessee baseball didn't have that type of uh, adversity to overcome, but I, I think it's really, really neat when you win a tournament championship. But you know, the real season starts now, right? We keep saying that every single week. The real season starts now. It's postseason. The regionals are here, and uh, it was really cool to celebrate all those. Very impressive. Just goes to show you how great of a team this year is for Tennessee with all the different records or first time since, first time since. Um, and now you look towards Friday, and, and uh, you know, this is – this is it, right? I mean, you lose going out of a weekend, then then you're done. And I think it's safe to say that, you know, if Tennessee, I mean, heck, if Tennessee loses any time before, not I'm not talking about a game, I'm talking like a series. If you lose any time before going to Omaha, then it's a huge, huge, huge upset. And so Tennessee obviously trying to avoid that. Yeah, and it, it'll be interesting to reflect on a season if that if that actually happens. I mean, yeah how how could you just forget? all that has already happened if they don't make it to Omaha. Yes, it'll be disappointing, but it would also be hard to just wash away all, all of these other cool things that we're discussing right here on the podcast. I mean, you just can't forget, but also th- that is the way college fans are, uh, even with the basketball team. As feel good as it was that they won the SEC basketball tournament for the first time since 1979, that's not the first thing that is thought of when thinking about this past year's basketball team. What's thought the end of, the day, of the end is of the day, them losing to Michigan the, and, yeah. and, and coming okay. up short. I mean, at the end of the day, Rick Barnes has got to find a way to win some tournament games. And that's a different conversation for another day. But I think that's the frustrating thing about it was it's like, yo, like get out of the freaking first weekend, right? And that's what's frustrating because Tennessee's basketball team was so good this year and had that tournament championship. Um, I honestly thought Tennessee was good enough to win the whole thing. Did I think they were going to do it? No, but I thought they had the talent to do it. Um, that's why I like getting out in the first round, round of 32, whatever, so frustrating. But hopefully that's not going to happen with the Tennessee baseball team. I mean, they are they are built, as we've been saying all year long, they are built and equipped and have the leadership, um, have the depth to, you know, to, to go all the way and win this whole thing. And obviously that's uh, that's the goal for everybody in that program. Right. And you want to at least make it back to Omaha. I, I do think you've got to yeah. – win some games for it not to be completely categorized as a, as a disappointment. But the point that I was going to make is that as great as that basketball tournament was, that that's not the first thing that's brought up when, when this past year's basketball team is mentioned. It, it's the fact that they lost to Michigan earlier than they should have in the NCAA tournament. And hopefully this baseball team doesn't have to, to go through that. They will be back in action on Friday. Uh, before we get out of here, do want to give – our initial thoughts on Tennessee's tournament draw that was announced on Monday at noon. Tennessee obviously hosting. They are the number one overall overall seed in the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history, and they will host Georgia Tech, who is the two seed in their regional, Campbell, who is the three seed, and Alabama State, who is the four seed. And Tennessee will play Alabama State on Friday night at 6 p.m. Eastern, Alabama State, they won the SWAC, and uh, and then if uh, assuming that Tennessee beats Alabama State, which they should, uh, Tennessee would play the winner of Georgia Tech and Campbell on Saturday night. And uh, again, th- this is just initial thoughts. I- I've been traveling Camels. Monday afternoon, uh, so I-, I have not done a deep dive. I- I've seen some things that have 
been said on Twitter and on shows here and there uh, about these teams. But my my initial thought about Tennessee's Knoxville Regional is that it's the NCAA tournament. Uh, you're going to have a team that, that kind of stands out. That team for me is Georgia Tech. Uh, Georgia Tech has a really good baseball program year in and, and year out. They they are good. Some years they, they are better than others. So that was notable to me when when Tennessee uh, drew Georgia Tech. Uh, Campbell, uh, some things that I've seen on them is that they steal bases. And we, we know about Tennessee's ability to defend the running game, although it Talk hasn't Rogers cost them a game yet, Eric. Hey, I was going to say that. I meant to say this earlier. Russell threw out some guys this week. He looked yes. good behind the plate. I mean, he really he did. So great behind the plate. I thought that was that thought, thought that was awesome to see. Also, I think I saw Kendall Rogers mention that uh, the camels they got some arms and the uh, fighting camels. Five, sorry, the fighting camels got some arms. So obviously, if you got the arms, just like Tennessee does, you're a good team. So I don't outside of Georgia Tech, which I know very little on right now. Of course, I'm, I know it's a pretty decent program, and I'm going to do some research on it this week. I don't know anything about this region whatsoever. I'm like you. Been, been out on the water here on this Memorial Day. I just know that you got the fighting camels, you got Georgia Tech, and you got Alabama State and Tennessee. First pitch on Friday at 6 o'clock. On the SEC Network. Yeah, and it, it's what I tweeted. My general thoughts, my initial thoughts, Georgia Tech, good baseball program. Campbell, they have an awesome nickname with the fighting camels. <laughs> Alabama State. I've never heard anybody say they're going on vacation to Montgomery, Alabama. I mean, again, like I said earlier, anything below Huntsville is the armpit of America. No, nobody ever wants to go to Montgomery. I've been to Montgomery. I have no desire to ever go back. I know you're making a joke here and whatnot, but could you imagine playing for a team and you're fighting camels on three? I mean, what are we doing here? Like who, <laughs> like, like what, whose ideal was this? And why are you a thing? Like <laughs> the fighting camels. I mean, Hey, all week long on the radio, that's how I'm going to refer to them. The Fighting Camels. Tennessee will take on the Fighting Camels. The Fighting well, Camels. The the fighting camels. Oh, I'm not lying. That's great. You, you, you are not lying. But uh, Georgia Tech, they, they have a big-time catcher. Uh, he, he's probably going to be a f- top-five pick uh, in July, if, if not a top-ten pick. Uh, and they, they can they can mash the ball. That Georgia Tech hits a lot of home runs. They're pitching not good. So that, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, and obviously – I think that plays into Tennessee's favor because they, they may hit the ball far, but Tennessee's got some horses on the mound that, that can keep them in check. And, and I guarantee you Tennessee is going to be able to hit crappy pitching. I, I would be stunned if they're not able to. And then Campbell, uh, they, they do have some arms. They also have, speaking of first-rounders, Georgia Tech has a catcher that's probably a, a top five, top ten pick. Campbell's probably uh, going to have their best pitcher um, drafted in the first round. So it's a likely first-round pick. And I'll be curious to see what they do with him. Uh, Tennessee can can kind of toy and maybe start a Chase Burns or, or Drew Bean to start the weekend and save Chase Dolander for the 1-0 game because that 1-0 game means you're either going to advance to the regional final or you're down 1-0 and, and you, you're 0-1 and, and, and you need to win uh, or else you're eliminated. Uh, Tennessee can afford to save Dolander. Can Campbell afford to save their best arm, or or do they need to throw them out game one against Georgia Tech? I, w- I would imagine that they try to throw them out game one, so that'll be interesting to see. But I, I know this is a super vague opinion, Eric, and super simplistic, but if Tennessee plays like Tennessee, they will have no issues 
this weekend. Uh, and Super Regional, Omaha, if they make it that far, they will have challenges, but that that's even just for, for the tournament in general. Again, I hate to be super simplistic, but if Tennessee plays to its ability, they're going to win the national championship. Nobody has more talent. Nobody has more depth. And, and I definitely think that applies to this weekend um, because Alabama State, not going to beat Tennessee. Georgia Tech, poor pitching. Campbell, they're, they're going to look really good on paper for, for a non-Power 5 team, but remember that they play in the Big South. They, they, they haven't faced Chase Dolander this season. They, they have not had to pitch to consecutively Luke Lipsius, Jordan Beck, Drew Gilbert, Trey Lipscomb, Evan Russell, Jarrell Ortega. They haven't had to face murderers row and let let off by two-hole hitter Luke Lipsius. So uh, just, just remember that when, when you're examining uh, this weekend's regional. Yep, I would agree. Slow down those fighting camels. You'll be on your way. I like you. I think Tennessee will be okay this weekend. But nothing's a given. Also, uh, pulling up one of uh, uh, your tweets from earlier today, Tennessee takes care of business and handles the Knoxville Regional. It will play the uh, – can't find it. Can't find it anywhere. The Statesboro. The Statesboro. Yeah, which is comprised of North Carolina and – literally can't find it. You tell me. It was your tweet <laughs> that I saw. Uh, that's who that they today. You should be able to find it pretty easily, Eric. I can't find it. That's who will come to Knoxville if Tennessee takes care of um, uh, a business. And of course, it was the 16th overall seed. And was it Carolina? No, you're 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 worse than you're worse than Awesome Price on Twitter. Wow. Is, is is what you are. Uh, Georgia Southern is the the, the regional. I, ooh, that, that's interesting. Georgia Southern is the regional that Tennessee is matched up with. Tennessee, the number one overall seed, so they're matched up with the 16th seed, which did go to Georgia Southern. Uh, Georgia Southern is hosting the Statesboro Regional, and because they are matched up with the Statesboro Regional, they are matched up with uh, Texas Tech, Notre Dame, and the North Carolina school you were thinking of was UNC Greensboro. So I knew it was in there somewhere. The winner of the Statesboro Regional – will be Georgia Southern, Texas Tech, Notre Dame, or UNC Greensboro. They would come to Knoxville, assuming Tennessee handles business. And that's really interesting. Uh, that That's where it could get a little bit hairy for Tennessee. I, I, would, I would be surprised if Georgia Southern wins its own regional, quite frankly. Uh, and I would be very, very, very surprised if UNC Greensboro came out on top. I, I, I think you're most likely to see Texas Tech or Notre Dame. Uh, and Notre Dame – there was a lot of talk about them deserving to host. So that, that tells you what college baseball thinks of Notre Dame this season. They have a really good program under Link Jarrett there uh, at Notre Dame. Uh, Texas Tech, always a good baseball program as well. Uh, so Texas Tech or Notre Dame coming to Knoxville for a Super Regional would, would be – it would be a, a nice obstacle that Tennessee would have to overcome. But, again, still, they would be the better baseball team. Can't get there unless you take care of business this weekend, though. So looking forward to it getting going on Friday. Absolutely. Uh, we will be back with the good people on Wednesday or Thursday, have a much more in-depth preview podcast of the weekend. And look, we promise that we will do many podcasts after each and every game this weekend, assuming the games don't end at 5 a.m. Uh, I, I will throw that in, in there that uh, if the games are ending at 5 a.m., they will not be happening. Uh, or not the game's ending, but if if I'm going to be going to bed at 5 a.m., probably no mini podcast, but uh, I, I doubt that will 
happen. But we will be back with a more in-depth preview podcast of the Knoxville Regional. Had a lot to discuss today, a wild week in Hoover, an absurd week in Hoover, and then all the games at the SEC tournament. Tennessee comes out on top, SEC tournament champions for the first time since 1995, and then Tennessee's NCAA tournament draws. A lot of firsts for this program, and hopefully they can continue to accomplish a lot of firsts, and maybe that first be a national championship. It all starts Friday. Have a good rest of your week. He's Eric Kane. I'm Ben McKee.